Well, we are in this series called, uh, is anyone out there? Anyone out there? Like, when we were talking about prayer, I, I just remember so many times growing up trying to pray at night, like it was our nightly routine uh, to pray, and I would lay in my bed, start to pray, and I'd be like, dear God, you know, thank you for today. Thanks for all that you did for me. And then like in 30 seconds, I'm like zonked out, knocking out, you know, I'd fallen asleep while I'm trying to pray. And then there were times I really, I really was, I needed prayer. Like I needed God to, to come through for me. And maybe I didn't study for a test that was coming up the next day. And I'm like, God, please help me know something about organic chemistry that I've never known before. When I wake up in the morning and I will sleep on my book and just take this and put it in. And, and then I remember times like college, I would, you know, be out too late. I was so tired and I'd have class at eight o'clock in the morning. And I remember praying sometimes like, God, just God, give me eight hours worth of sleep in these two hours that I'm about to get. Like all of these responsive prayers, right? And I'm just like, I, I hope God's hearing me. And a lot of times that's how we pray, isn't it? We just pray to, we kind of throw these requests out there. These, uh, these requests that we hope we're going to get a response back from. And we do them attached to certain events in our life, bad news or good news, or, you know, at certain times in our life, we're supposed to pray Prayer often becomes more of a response to a circumstance than an actual practice of pursuing and developing intimacy in a relationship with our Creator. And again, this is why we're doing this series. Because even as odd and unique as prayer may seem at times, it is not just a religious practice of our faith. It, when we use it, when we better understand its purpose and its power, it becomes a vital part of our faith in our relationship with God. And so we're in this series. The, the first few weeks, we looked at how not to pray, some, some practices not to do. And then Jared, last week, began to lay the groundwork of how do we pray and, and laid a great groundwork that prayer is this personable thing, this, this idea of relational connection. And we pray with power and purpose. And in doing so, we make this personal connection uh, with God like we were meant to do this. And as we do this, other people see it and want the same practice and and see how we connect with our Creator, and they want to do the same. In this study, we're looking at the book of Luke, chapter 11. And if you've got your Bibles, you can look those up. If not, it'll be on the screen. And the context of Luke 11 is, again, Jesus is reshaping some thoughts for his disciples, some thoughts about spiritual practices, what it means to be a follower of God. And his disciples have watched him pray in the past many times, and they come to him, and they, they knew, uh, it says in the scripture, that, that you know, they asked him to teach them to pray the way that John the Baptist, another teacher, was teaching his disciples how to pray and connect with God. But they saw Jesus praying in such a way that it's like, it, it's like you're actually talking to God, and he's listening, and you're having a conversation. Teach us to pray like that. And so today, we're actually going to launch into the actual model that Jesus gives his disciples. And this is what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And what we're going to look at today is this first example of how Jesus tells his disciples to pray. Let's look at this passage, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to dive in and see some of the keys here. Again, Luke 11, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. That's what Jared focused on last week. And now we get into the actual example of it. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, when you pray, say this, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
and then he's going to go on to other, but we're going to focus on this first phrasing today. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Before we actually get into the, those key thoughts, let's, let's take that first one. He says, but when you pray, because I want to remind us again, what prayer is. In the past few weeks, we've talked about how there are root words of what prayer means. That means to draw near or to move toward someone in order to gain an advantage is what prayer means. And so I say it this way, prayer is moving into God's presence for an advantageous purpose. That's what we do. We are stepping into the presence of God in order to gain advantage over circumstances in our life, to gain advantage over understanding of things that we don't grasp in our life, to understand wisdom at a deeper level than we currently do. It's not to take advantage of others, but to make the most of whatever we're going through. We move into the presence of God to make the most of what we're going through. And this speaks to the much deeper meaning of prayer and what it really is, that it's not just a response. Instead, it is an initiative that we take in order to move closer to God, in order to put ourselves into a more advantageous position to step forward into whatever step the next step is of our life and faith journey. Prayer is this conduit that God gives us to be able to directly access, listen to this, his presence, his wisdom, his love, his truth, his understanding, his forgiveness, and every aspect of his infinite character. And here's the key idea I want you to remember as we launch into this. When we think about pray, let's pray, right? Before we ever say Father, it is we have to remember who we are actually having a conversation with. We have to remember. And this is the key today that we're talking about. Prayer is memorable. True prayer is going to be a memorable experience. But we have to start that by remembering who we are actually having a conversation with. This is not some random phone call. We, Dan and I were talking earlier. You guys getting these random texts now? Hey, how are you? Just crazy, you know, spam texts now instead of spam calls. And these are just random. This is not how we connect with God, just throwing out a text to a random number and hoping that we get connected. I remember growing up, especially when we were in high school, this was what I call the golden era before caller ID, because you could prank call people without them knowing who you were. And we used to actually have parties in high school that were prank, phone, prank call phone parties, where we would just get together and we'd be like, let's call this person. And we would act like they had ordered a pizza and the pizzas are on the way and they would get all upset or some stupid joke that we would say to them. And we literally would, would just spend all evening like, all right, call my house, call this house. Well, the phone company finally got this thing called, didn't have caller ID yet, but it was call return. And I remember if you hit like star six, eight or something like that, if somebody hung up on you, you could hit it and it would call them back. Well, this family that we called one time, he hit it and he called, like after we had prank called him, he called back and he was like, who is this? And I'm like, I'm not telling you who this is. He's like, let me talk to your parents. I was like, no, I'm not going to let you talk. And I was like, at that point, I knew like the golden days of prank calling were coming to an end and then caller ID hit in. But uh, he had no clue who we were when we were prank calling. But I think about it, the difference between also when Katie and I first started dating. And all we were doing was we were apart from each other. She was uh, in one city. I was in another. And we would call each other. And when I would pick up the phone, all I would have to hear was, hey, it's me. And I knew who it was. I didn't have to say, who, who is this? I knew from her voice. I knew from the tone. All it was was, hey, it's me. And I knew immediately it 
was Katie. And this is what it's like when we have this memorable conversation with God. It is this, hey, it's me. And we know God's voice. God knows us. The memorable part of prayer starts with not just the content of the conversation, but remembering who we are having this conversation with. And this is the whole point of the first part of this model prayer that he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So let's look at those three concepts and what these words mean today and what they mean for us. First of all, he says, Father, our Father, right? The, the word used for Father here has several different meanings. It can be described like the ancestry of someone, right? My, my actual Father. I have a Father. You have a Father. We talk about being birthed from a Father. But it can also mean the origi- originator, our creator of something, like the Father of modern medicine or the Father of the, somebody that created something but it can also mean someone that's interested or concerned about another individual. Like when we use this term, we talk, you know, fathering someone or mothering someone through a difficult time in their life. And all of these are important as we look at this very first phrase that Jesus gives us to use when we pray. If we are to remember who we are having this conversation with, it's important to know who God is and who he is to us. And I think when we think about our Father, we have to rem- it's going to remind us of three things about God. And the first is this. It's going to remind us of God's parentage in our life, that he is our actual Father. He created you. He knows every part of you. He has watched you grow. He is creative in his nature. And he has passed on his character to you. It says we are in, created in the image of God. And so we have this intrinsic relationship with him, a natural connection. My dad will be here next week with a carnival. When he walks in and you see us standing together, it will be obvious that he is my father, right? (laughs) We're about the same height. We have the same hairstyle. Like our features are very similar. It is obvious he is my father. You look at my son, PJ. If he was standing down here instead of up in the sand, but it would be pretty obvious he's my son, except he has a lot more hair than I do right now. And he's outgrown me by a few inches. But there are intrinsic qualities about who we are that have been genetically passed down. If you are created in God's image and you are, there are characteristics of God that have been intrinsic in you. And so he is your father. Natural to connect with him. There's a natural connection with him. He's not foreign to us. And too many times we pray to, we think we're praying to a a foreign dignitary, somebody I don't know, somebody I have no connection with. God is our parent. He is our father. The second thing we have to understand there is this also not reminds us just of his parentage, but it reminds us of God's provision, right? As a father, he wants what is good for us. It doesn't mean that he gives us whatever we want. No good parent would do that, right? But he wants what's good for us. If he just gave us whatever we desired in that moment, we would end up in trouble. I I remember as a kid, we were sitting in my grandparents' house, and I was a pretty picky eater growing up. Katie says, I'm not picky anymore. I eat a lot, but I'm just a peculiar eater. Like, I like things a certain way. But I remember we were sitting at my uh, grandmother and granddad's table, and all the guys were sitting around, and they were eating, like, some peppers and hot peppers along with other things. And I wanted to try a hot pepper. Like, I saw people eating it, and my dad said, no, you don't want to try this. And I was like, no, I really do. I really do. And I was like, listen to me. You do not want to try this. I've seen you eat spicy food in the past. You don't do well with it. You will not like this. It's very spicy. It will hurt you. It will burn your mouth. And I was like, no, I want to try it. 
So dad finally gave in and was like, all right. And they hand me a little bit of this and I bite in this pepper and like for 10 seconds, I was like, maybe not even 10, five seconds, I was like, this isn't too bad. And then it hit, right? I mean, it was like, boom, fire in the mouth, tears, my face got red. I'm in the back corner of this table and I'm just trying to get out to go somewhere. I don't know where I'm going to go or what I'm going to do, but it is painful and I am done with whatever's happening in that moment. They get me some milk and I start trying to cool this down. And my dad, as much as he tried to warn me, right, I still was saying, no, this is what I want to do. And this is what I love about God and his provision. He is not just going to give us when we say, I want this, God. And too many times, a lot of times we pray for our wants, right? God, I want this. But he's like, I know you want it, but it's not what's best for you. And this is the beauty of God's provision. He doesn't give us, he doesn't give us what we, just what is good for us. He gives us what we need. God's provision is this idea that he is our father who wants good for his children. And he works to help us walk into the paths of the ways of goodness and righteousness. He's going to guide us here, there, in the ways of goodness and righteousness. So God's provision, we remember this about our Father, but him as our Father also remind us of God's presence in our life. Jesus' use of the term Father here reminds us that God is not a distant God, but he is near. He isn't trying to get God's attention, some far-off, distant, or distracted, ethereal figure. No, God is one simple word away from beginning the conversation with. Father. Father. I remember growing up again, we, uh, my parents loved scary movies, and, and we would watch them often as a family together. I found them funny for whatever reason, like horror movies always found funny. My brother was on the other side of the coin. He found them very disturbing. And so we would watch them, and we'd be laughing, and I remember almost every night we would be in bed. That night we were on a hallway, three rooms, kind of across my parents' room was on this side. And after every Friday night that we would watch a horror movie, usually about 12.30, I would hear this from my brother's room. Mom? Dad? Mom? Like he'd gotten scared in bed, and, and he would come, they would come in. Like as soon as they heard him, they're like, everything's going to be all right. And even as he got older, he stopped calling out, but he would go to their room and be like, Mom, Dad, are, are you guys okay in here? Everything, you know, he, he was still disturbing to him. But one word, right, Mom, Dad, brought a response. Think about it as a new child. J- Jared's not here this morning because they had a lot of response time when baby Oliver was crying last night. And he's like, we just didn't get much rest because when baby cries or baby calls out mom or dad, you respond. And this is the beauty of God's presence. He's one word away from being in a conversation. Father, yes, I'm here. What a beautiful thought. There's not a train of thoughts that we have to get into. There's not some incantation that we have to say to get in his presence. It's father, father. So he is our father. He provides as a good father and he is there as a present father. And this is the idea we have to remember to make this memorable. Remember God's perspective on you, that he loves you and he is your child. God thinks about you. He has a perspective on you and it's a good one. He loves you and you are his child. And the implication of this is this, that we don't pray to a God that is not interested in us. We pray to a God who is very interested in us. What a beautiful thought just by saying, our Father. And then he goes on and says the next phrase here, in heaven, right? Our Father in heaven. 
Now, Jesus gives us the, in this model prayer the idea of defining Father in heaven. And this idea of heaven also has several meanings. It certainly means a residing place of God, like in the heavens. But it also talks about the idea of a lofty perspective or position. Someone who is in the heavens doesn't mean that they are necessarily far away, but that they can see more than we can see. They have a unique and better perspective on things than we do from the ground level. So when we talk about our Father in heaven, we're talking about not just where he resides, but also where he views things from. And this helps us to understand some of the other very important aspects about remember who we are praying to, this Father in heaven. And it should remind us first of this, remind us of God's context. Thinking about a father in heaven reminds us that God has a greater perspective than our own. He can see things in ways that we can't see and understand things in a way that we simply can't because of our limited perspective. This is a beautiful thought, actually. Talking to someone who knows more than ourselves, who can see more than we can, and who cares very deeply about us. I've had some friends, uh, Kristen, who teaches and helps with our children upstairs and works with Fida. She has uh, climbed uh, Mount Kilimanjaro before. I've had some friends who have attempted to ascend Mount Everest. And do you know that you cannot ascend Mount Everest without a guide? It's illegal. They will arrest you. And you, if you try it and you get by, you will almost certainly die on that mountain without a guide. Because what that guide knows is the treacherous parts. He knows how to navigate certain ways that you, even as great as a climber you may be, you just have not been there before. You don't know what's coming next. And you may be doing very well at climbing, but you're going to get yourself into a dead end or a place where there is no return and no retreat, and it'll kill you. And this is what I love when I think about God's context. He can see farther than we can see, and he knows more than we know, and he can see ahead of us and behind us and where we need to go. And what a beautiful thought when we think about our God, our Father in heaven that he is looking out for us his context allows him to see broader than we can ever see in our life but it also reminds us of his capability right as a father in heaven it is this reminder that he is the creator of all things it isn't that he can just see and understand more than we can he actually created the entire realm of earth and all that is in it his capability is unlimited and i think this is another beautiful thought when we can come to God with, this, with our concerns and needs. It isn't based on what we want again, but instead it's choosing the right resources and pathways based on his unlimited capabilities. He's got every tool in his belt that he needs to help you. He's got every resource that he needs to give to you in your moment of need. And while we may be crying out for something else, he says, no, this is what you need instead because I know what's coming. And you're like, no, I don't, I, I want to I have fun or I want this aspect of my life. I want just happiness in my life. And he says, no, I want joy for you. And you may say, I just want this person removed from my life. It's too much turmoil. And he's like, no, I actually want peace for you. He knows the better tools. And he may have these unlimited resources, but he doesn't just open the drawer and say, pick whatever you want. He gives us the right things at the right times. And this finally reminds us that our Father in heaven is it should remind us of God's compassion, right? This leads us to this final idea that he is a God of compassion. If he knows and understands more than us, 
He has the ability to give us and direct us at levels of unlimited capacity. Yet he does all this from a character of love and grace. It reminds us that he is a God of deep, deep compassion. He does not wield his knowledge, power, and resources in ways that attempt to control, manipulate, or enslave us. No, he uses them for our good. Hear this. We worship a God who is good, but also wants good for us. A compassionate God. And anyone who teaches different or uses God as a tool to manipulate and control people is not representing the God of the Bible, our Father in heaven that Jesus is talking about here. And prayer is not a way for God to even control us, but instead it is a pathway for him to show his compassion to us. And it brings us to the key idea, which is this. You have to remember God's perspective on our circumstances. As much as he has a perspective on you, when we pray our Father in heaven, remember he also has perspective on our circumstances, what you're going through. And it is that he is ready to respond with wisdom. He's ready. He loves you and cares about you. That's his perspective on you and his perspective on your circumstance. He's ready to respond, but with wisdom. And the implication is this. We don't pray to a God that doesn't understand us. He does. He understands us and what we're going through more so than we even do in our own minds. So our Father in heaven, and then we get to this last concept, hallowed be your name. This final phrase that we should view this Father in heaven as Hallowed. The word hallowed is not really a term that we use a lot. I remember growing up when I heard this word at church or we would recite the Lord's Prayer or hear somebody read this section of Scripture. That word stuck in my mind, not because I understood it, because I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it meant. And the word hallowed actually reminded me of Halloween, I remember. And I would think, well, this is scary. I guess God's some scary or fearful thing that we've got to be a little, you know, uh, trepidatious of. Uh, God's this, you know, Halloween creation. I don't know. Like it just stuck in my head. And th- I remember thinking that. And the truth is, it actually has nothing to do with what this word means. Instead, the word hallowed means this, different or set apart. It's the idea of something that is revered for its righteous reason, for a righteous reason, not out of fear or guilt or trepidation, but out of righteousness. And I think this terminology helps us to remember some unique things about this character, this father in heaven that is hallowed. And here's what I think it reminds us of of God. First, it should remind us of God's uniqueness. There is no one like him. No one compares to him. Jesus tells us here that he is not, uh, that it is just his, it's not just his deeds that are hallowed. Like he did some great things and that's why he's hallowed. Like this past week, Aaron Judge Hit home run 61 to tie Roger Maris's record, a huge record in the American League. I mean, just a, you know, one of those records, one of those times you remember, hey, I remember where that happened. I remember where I was when that happened. PJ and I were at a baseball game before where there was a no-hitter thrown, or maybe you've been a perfect game. Just these key records. But this is not what makes somebody hallow, just one, one deed that they did. It is his name that is hallowed. It says his name and the character it represents is unique and unlike anyone or anything else. To keep the baseball analogy going, there are, you know, every team has their own numbers that are retired because of a player was so good on that team. And they'd say nobody else on this team can wear that number for the rest of time. But there is one number that is retired across every baseball team that nobody can wear. 
And it's the number 42 that was wore by Jackie Robinson who broke the color barrier in baseball and was a shining example of what reconciliation and stepping above hatred meant in that sport and in our culture at the time. And so nobody in all of baseball gets to wear 42 ever again because of what he did. And that's almost what we're saying about God. God did something so unique. He is so unique in his character. There is no comparison. Nobody gets to wear the title God but him. He, his name is hallowed. And it's a beautiful thing. Our God is unique. And everything about him is unique. But uh, what that uniqueness leads us to remember then, or remind us of God's holiness. Hallowed, again, doesn't just mean unique, but it means unique because you can be uniquely bad or evil as well, right? You can, you can have your reputation based on that, but our God is described as renowned for being uniquely holy. The word holy that is so often used in Scripture to find God's character means to be set apart, set above, to be stepped, steeped in righteousness and goodness. That's who he is, righteousness and goodness. When you approach him, that's what comes out. You take a sponge, whatever you put that sponge in and squeeze into it, when you squeeze at that, what's coming out? When you step into the presence of God, goodness and mercy and righteousness is what comes out. Our God is holy, and when you press into him, you will experience the holiness and righteousness and goodness of God. But then it also reminds us finally of his worthiness. This hallowed nature of a uniquely righteous and good God means that he is worthy of our worship and worthy of our invitation into our lives through prayer. He's not like one of multiple options that we choose. He is the only worthy option. doesn't mean we can't talk to other people about what's going on in our life and get wisdom, but there is one source, our Father in heaven, who has a hallowed name and a hallowed character, who is able to speak ultimate wisdom and ultimate truth into our life. Again, it's not multiple choice. I remember I grew up watching the dating game when a person, you know, would sit behind a curtain and there were three eligible bachelor or bachelorettes on this side and they would ask questions and choose one. Now everybody plays that on their phone, right? You swipe right, swipe, swipe left, whatever. You can play the dating game every day on your phone if you want. This is not, God is not somebody you get to choose between other, he is the worthy one, the worthy choice. He is the only worthy choice because of his hallowed name, nature, and character. Which brings us to this key idea. We must remember a correct understanding of the concept and character of God. We often get confused or get frustrated with God because we have a jaded or misunderstood concept of his character and nature. We forget he's worthy. We forget he's holy and unique. And the implication is this. It reminds us that we don't pray to a God that can't or won't provide for us. He will. He can and he will. And his goodness and mercy, his goodness and grace is what is squeezed out when we draw into his presence, his holiness and righteousness. Which brings me to a closing thought when we come to this. When we come to prayer, this idea of praying to our Father in heaven who has this hallowed name. Thinking, how do we make this this memorable experience? Because we remind ourselves of who we are praying to. We must be careful to remember a couple of things. One is this. It isn't that God needs us to understand who he is for his benefit. God, God's not waiting for us to define him, okay? We don't determine his actions. We don't determine his character. We're not sitting here today trying to vote and decide, is God a good God? Is God a righteous God? Is God worthy of praise? No, all that is true. We can, 
we can push it away in our lives and act like it's not, but it's true. It's just true. If God is the creator of all things and God is a good God and he's demonstrated his goodness, it's true. Now, we can argue with it. We can think it's in our lives. We can push back on it. But the more we step in and speak Father who, and the concept of in heaven, hallowed name, we begin to see that that is true. We don't determine his actions or his character. But we remember who God is to embrace the purpose and power of prayer, which is God inviting us into his presence. So a lot of times, again, think about how we often approach prayer. I got to talk God into doing something for me, right? As this is going, this situation's really tough right now. I've got the solution. So I'm going to tell God what to do. Genie in a bottle. If you do this, God, yay, I'm happy, right? Again, if God did that, he would not be a good and gracious and righteous God. Because you know what? I am not. I am not always good and gracious and righteous. My desires, the way I want to solve my own problems, are not the way God in, the, in his infinite, infinite wisdom and righteousness would solve them. Sometimes when I get angry at people, I would love to say, God, lightning bolt, let's be done with it. You know, that's over, you know? Or just like, let's just be done with this. Like, do to them what happened to me. And that's not the way God operates. And thank God he doesn't because I'm glad you can't pray that prayer against me either. You know? So it's, this is what we have to understand. We are not determining his actions by our prayers, but he is inviting us into this righteous and gracious presence that we can experience his holiness and this uniqueness and worthiness of God as our Father who is present and ready to respond. And what a beautiful invitation it is. Think about maybe whatever gala or party or event maybe you wish you had an invitation to in this city, right? I mean, if, like some beautiful, you see pictures of maybe you want to go to the Met Ball or whatever it is, like you just, I could show up, I would be at that. And imagine whatever that is. The invitation into God's presence is much grander and will be much more fulfilling than any other invitation. Because we pray to a Father in heaven whose name and nature is hallowed above all else. So my question for you today is simply this. What God are you praying to? One of your own creation or the God of the universe that has revealed himself to us? Our Father in heaven whose name and nature is hallowed. Will you pray with me? Our Father, you are in heaven and you see all. You know all. You love us. You are present, Father, with us. God, you are hallowed. Your name and your nature are above all else. And God, it is easy. I know in my own mind and life, it is easy to forget that. It's easy to come to you with a prayer that is just demanding or angry or just whatever it is. God, help us to remember this model that Jesus gave us. That to start this prayer by remembering who we are praying to. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let that goodness and righteousness be what defines our time with you. That beautiful invitation to be in your presence. Not to determine your actions or tell you what to do. But to God to receive your wisdom, your righteousness and your goodness poured into our life. 